Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. We are beginning our Go and Tell mini-series that focuses on how our own personal stories can impact those around us and what kind of example our faith journey can be. What do our own personal faith stories say about us? What story do they tell about God's miraculous work in our lives? We all have stories that mean something to us, but what does it mean to share them with others? And does it make a difference? In this message of the week from July 11th, Pastor Abigail Ozan shares a story from the book of Mark, chapter 5, about a demon-possessed man who experiences Jesus' miraculous healing and is sent to tell the story to his community. Listen to part of Pastor Abigail's own faith story and the lessons she has learned. Here is the first church message of the week. You're going to notice one difference between Jen and I pretty quickly. Quite simply, I'm taller. I am <laughs> uh, from a very tall family. All of my brothers and my father are over six feet tall, so gives you a little sense of where I come by it. And perhaps you'll meet some of them someday. Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke to pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He responded, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a hillside with a great herd of swine feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine and the herd numbering about 2,000, and it rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told in the city and in the country. Then the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And the very man who had the legion and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into a boat, 
The man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Thanks be to God for the gift of scripture. Some of you know I recently did a really good job breaking my arm, and holding the Bible was a lot of work just now. (laughs) This story from Mark is one of my favorites. Well, it's actually in three of the Gospels. It's a really good story, and there's a lot that I could say about it. But as Sandy so well uh, introduced We're actually going to focus on telling the story, on the eyewitness nature of this account, and the importance of sharing what has happened in one's life and faith. This story starts with a very unusual kind of scene. There's a man who is chained in a graveyard because he is so wild with these demons that if he's not chained up, he'll run away, he'll harm himself. He is outside of the community. He is literally among the dead. But Jesus comes to him and heals him. This is such a blessing for this man. An example of God's goodness in his life. Something so amazing. The people who hear about it have to share. And there's even a whole bit about the demons going into the swine and they rush down into the sea. It's a pretty dramatic scene. And so you can imagine why the swine herds would share what had happened. They'd go home and say, can you believe what I just saw today? No, you can't. You can't. But the man who had had demons, he was drawn to Jesus. He sat and learned from him, listened to Jesus, and longed to follow him. And in this, he shared was an example of God's presence in our faith lives in the way that God offers us guidance. No, I don't know about you, but personally, I would love to be sitting at Jesus' feet, being an eyewitness, uh, listener, ear witness, something like that, <laughs> listener to whatever it was that he had to share. And so then he wants to follow Jesus. He wants to get in the boat and go with him wherever Jesus is going next. But instead, Jesus sends this man out back to his community and the surrounding area to tell his story, to share his faith experience with others. We are going to be talking this week and next week about how we are all called to go and tell the story. 
And hopefully, we will experience and understand some of what the people who heard this man's story did. Because this was a story of great hope. A man who was at a dead end, hanging out in the sanctuary, or sanctuary, cemetery, didn't mean it that way, cemetery. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Actually, if you're at a dead end and you hang out in the sanctuary, it's not a bad choice, really. Um, it's a good place to get God's guidance. I used to do that when I was a teenager and at church for Wednesday night activities. And so during one part of the evening, I like to go and sit in the dark, well, if it was late in the afternoon, you know, the dark sanctuary and talk to God and think. Because I want to share a little more about my story with you, about who I am, but particularly some important moments in my faith story. I want to bear witness to God's presence in my life. Now, um, there's a lovely picture of some cute kids. I thought you'd like the cute kids, so, you know. Um, that's me with my three brothers, Jonathan, Jeffrey, and Justin. I do not expect you to know their names unless you've met them. <laughs> so I'll just say my brother all the time, and you can ask who I'm talking about or whatever sometime. But um, I grew up uh, being raised in a church, um, my three brothers and I. And um, my dad attended regularly and was very involved in the work of the church. And my mom, who was an ordained clergy member, worked in extension ministries most of her career, and particularly while I was growing up. So I'm a PK, a little bit more uh, professor's kid than pastor's kid. And if you start talking about church history, I always feel like I have to know stuff. Um, because that's her area of expertise, um, where she has a doctorate. And um, she still teaches Methodist history and polity even now. I want to share a few uh, of my most powerful experiences of God's presence in my life. These particular have shaped me and impacted how I do ministry today. And so that's actually why I chose kind of the categories I did to share. And I invite you, if I'm just going to share a teeny piece of some of these stories, and if you want to know more, feel free to ask. And even better, feel free to share your stories of what God has done and is doing in your life. So one of the really important things about me is that I love the camping ministry. I love creation. I love to be outdoors and active outdoors. And I find God's presence in the beauty and abundance and variety in God's creation. God's presence is with us in worship, whether we are worshiping in a beautiful sanctuary like this or we're sitting on stumps around a campfire. And another great part of camp that I love is team building. And the youth in particular are going to get to experience this because I have a whole bag of tricks in my office already for team building uh, fun and exercises. And um, we do have fun, I promise. 
Um, and we also learn and grow in these experiences. And so I still love doing these different kinds of things, and I look forward to going to camp. Now, this summer, it's probably not going to work out, but uh, certainly next summer, I am planning to go to camp. One of the amazing things that happened to me in camping, I grew up doing it, but then when I graduated from high school, I was needing to get away from my parents. Not that they're not lovely people, but you can maybe imagine how that was when you're 18. And uh, I applied very late to work at camp. But this job came along. This one camp was still in need of some people. And so the camp director said, sure, come on out. You'll do a little bit of everything, but we'd be happy to have you. And so then I went to Camp Kingswood, which is a Minnesota camp that was decommissioned nine years, eight years ago, eight years ago. No, nine. That's sad. Anyway, um, <laughs> so it's not in existence anymore. Um, but I worked there uh, seven summers over the course of the next 10 or so years. And... I experienced God's goodness in so many ways. And not only did I end up getting a job and going off to camp and doing what I loved, but this particular camp had a focus on mission and had a program where people went into the city during the day and worked on people's homes and did other kinds of mission projects and then came back to camp in the late afternoon and did camp stuff then when they got back to camp. And so... Many times and in many ways, I experienced God's presence and also God's goodness at camp and at bringing me to just where I wanted and needed to be. I did a lot of mission trips. In fact, my first mission trip was my first trip, I think it was maybe my first trip to North Dakota, um, in 1997 when the Red River flooded. And some of you, I'm sure, remember that. I went up to Grand Forks and East Grand Forks to do my first mission project. This is a picture from one of my most recent mission trips. I didn't have a lot of pictures of me because I take a lot of pictures when I was running programs and stuff. Um, but there I was doing lots of fun weeding. And I love to dig in the dirt. I find that God is so often present when we are helping and caring for our neighbors. God is with us. And not only do we, are we able to enrich others' lives, but we have our own lives transformed when we go and reach out to others. There are so many examples of God's sightings that I could give you from my time. And I'm just going to give you a little taste how amazing it was to help a man who had in, in the past gone on mission trips himself and served others, and now that he was much older and couldn't do as much, being able to serve him and help him. From one of my very first summers at camp, I remember the youth sharing that night about their God sighting, and each night they shared about this team that went to this woman's house, how every day she left snacks for them. She left a pitcher of juice in the, free, uh, in the fridge and snacks and notes. 
even though she had to go off to work and couldn't be around during the day when they were working on her house. And on the last day of the week, her note said how grateful she was and that she believed that they would connect again in this world or the next. I experienced God's presence in watching youth have their faith come alive and that faith inspiring them to return to their own communities to go and serve there, to begin projects with the homeless, to feed the hungry, to care for those who are in need. Another, these are all examples of God's presence and God's guidance. And I learned so many, many things from my time doing mission work. But another area that is important to me and a time that had a huge impact on my life was when I was doing peace work. I was working with a Christian organization to reduce and de-escalate violence by both physically and verbally intervening. And also, partly, we reduced violence just by being present in a situation. Most of my time I spent in Palestine, in the uh, completely occupied uh, part of the city of Hebron. And you can see in the picture that was there that um, part of what we did was we reported on human rights abuses. You can see there was an altercation between a man and some soldiers. And it was a time of um, reporting human rights abuses with issues such as children being allowed to go to school, attacks by settlers, people being detained, which is what was going on here, sometimes for long periods of time and without just cause. In the midst of constantly witnessing injustice, I found God's presence in human connection. One of my favorite moments was in a little village in the South Hebron Hills after a day of helping uh, in the fields, actually, to make sure that the farmers were able to safely till their fields, I sat and drank tea with Israelis and Palestinians who were working together for peace. Another very meaningful time was a moment during a home invasion when I had this connection with a soldier who was pretty agitated during most of this and aggressive, but I forget what happened. Something made me laugh, and he's like, why are you laughing? And I said, sometimes you just have to laugh. And he agreed. Human connection, God's presence in the midst of things. These were examples of hope that I continued to see in spite of the difficulty of the situation. God gave me the strength to live with uncertainty and lack of safety and still do the work that I was called to do and to still have hope.
When I returned from Palestine, I taught some more, actually. So my first career was in teaching. And then I eventually went off to seminary and started doing ministry in a church. And I see how in my ministry that God continues to call me to go and to share my stories and to share how God is present with others. God sends me to places that I never expected to go. I didn't expect to come here, by the way. I thought I was going back to Minnesota. But it turned out that you all were looking for somebody with some experience in youth. And so the DSs were talking one day. And they, um, your DS, Chris, was sharing that need. And my DS said, actually, I have somebody with a background in youth ministry. And the next thing you know, I'm staying in South Dakota and heading south to Watertown. Well, what is God doing in my life right now? Because, yes, God is present in all these experiences that I've shared in the past. And you may notice there's not one moment in this that was just my ultimate faith moment. There are many And as somebody raised in the church that doesn't remember not believing in God, when people talk about those come-to-Jesus moments, my stories may be a little bit different. But I continue to experience God's presence in my life. So I show this picture, and I kind of love that there's a flat Jesus in the picture because Jesus is still present in my life. That was actually more coincidence than specific design. Um, my little niece, Zoe, um, colored the picture and had it sent to me in the hospital. And so I had to have a picture of flat Jesus to share with her. So that's me um, sitting at my parents' house after they brought me home after I had my accident on the horse and shattered my arm. Um, and so I experienced how God makes a way and offers healing and sends me out to share lessons I had learned in the past but was learning yet again. God gave me the strength to endure the pain when I broke my arm, and I knew <laughs> I jumped off the horse because I was helping herd cattle, and um, we were just about to get um, a mom and baby into the pasture that we wanted them in through this gate, and then they bolted, and so my horse goes, turns and runs after them, and something happened so that my saddle slipped sideways all the way. So like, um, not just a little bit. And when it was like 90 degrees sideways, I realized there was nothing I could do to right this situation. And so my split second decision was to jump off and control my fall. And so I hit the ground with my elbow. Um, the plus side of that, by the way, is that I did not hurt my head, my neck, my back at all. Um, so I did a really good job on my arm, though. <laughs> and I knew as I was lying there that it was going to be a quite a while before the ambulance was going to get to me. And in fact, when they did show up, they were not paramedics. They were emergency response people from a nearby town. And so I still couldn't get anything for the pain. But God gave me the strength to get through that, to keep smiling and laughing, 
telling jokes, because, you know, sometimes that helps. Um, there were some good ones about humorous, because it's in being funny. Yeah. Um, but one of the amazing things is that each thing that happens in our life, God uses it. Past experiences could help give me the strength to endure. And I experienced how God puts people in my way to help me in a time of need. I couldn't use my right arm at all at first, and actually had to carry it around for the first 10 days, basically, um, while it was in a splint. But I was so thankful that there were people who stepped up to make sure that even that they went and got my, my friend went and caught my bird in its cage and put him in his travel cage and made sure that he, he and some clothes and things got brought to me. And my parents took me to stay with them for a month while I was recovering. And there were people who stepped in to cover for me at my churches. People who came to a packing party and helped me to pack up my uh, parsonage so that I could move and people like you who gave me food and things so that I didn't have to work so hard on that aspect of things as I was recovering. Like the man in the story, I have experienced God's presence in powerful ways, showing me that God is good providing guidance in how to live my life as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, showing me that there is always hope, and sending me out to witness to God's presence in my life and using me to make a difference to others. We experience God in our own stories and in the stories of others, God gives us these as gifts, not to keep, but to give away. We're called to witness to God's presence by sharing these stories with one another. And there's so much more I could say about that, but that's the focus of next week. So come back for next week to hear about how we tell our stories and how you can go out and tell your story. And if you think you don't have a faith story, we'll talk about that too. And if you think of one during the week, great, hang on to it. We'll talk about how to share it. But here is the good news for us today. God is active in each and every one of our lives. God is always with us through all things. And God provides guidance for each of us and offers us hope. What I shared to you today may be my stories of faith, but the message is God's. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for your constant care for being with me, for being with us through all things and loving us as we are. We are grateful for the guidance and support you give us.
We see your fingerprints all over changed lives and know that there is hope, that no situation, no person is beyond your ability to rescue and redeem. Help us to continue to see your presence in our lives and in the world around us. And finally, God, help us to know and share our stories to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.